to the Consequential Podcast. I'm your host, English accent Batman. With me today, Roger Hart. I'm thinking about pizza. You're an idiot. Yes. Lucy Boys. Good anus to you. She said good day. No, it was anus. Off to a flying start. <laughs> we are fucking idiots. I, bl- I blame myself, really. I think I might blame you as well. I made a silly joke, and it seems to have given you license. Um, But also, I'm responsible for several head injuries that both of you have received. (laughs) That's true. All clunking together. That's not good. Not good. Lost a lot of hair. Lost a lot of scalp. What are you even reading? Tell us. Who wants to go first? Uh, It's Roger. Roger Roger wants to go first. I made a noise, and now I have to do things. You're very keen... Um, I have been reading um, Saga, Volume 4, right. which is the fourth volume of Saga. Is there much to say about Saga beyond Saga is still good? Why can I never remember any characters' names? Because you're bad at thinking? Yes, the female protagonist. That one. That one. Wings Lady. Yeah, Wings Lady. Um, takes up a career as a ridiculous like, caricature off-the-wall soap star. It's like a cross between soap opera and lucha libre. Yeah, it's Fuck. gloriously stupid. It's in- and they're all high all the time. It's incredibly dumb and utterly delightful. Plus, we get some like feels backstory for King Robot. Oh no! Well, I mean, sorry, good. Prince Robot. I don't know. For we the get Robot King dude, Robot as well, King which Robot is, is amazing. <laughs> so it's it's a fantastic reveal. It's a brilliant. Single panel sting. I need to catch up. I'm, um, I'm way behind on my saga. But one that spatially would work far better in the single issues. The spine fold. Possibly. The spine He's fold. got a folding spine? No, just, you know, where things lie on the page. Mm-hmm. It's a big mm-hmm. page reveal. I was but making a joke about his bones. I, I did an online course about uh, about comics, and one, one of the first things was, you know, singles versus trades where things lie on the page, like when something is a reveal and when it isn't because it's on the wrong page, whether you read the mm. facing page first. But all of this was explained using the shitty, shitty Batman story, Hush, uh, at which point I quit the course because there's only so many hours of someone rhapsodizing about that book that I could have taken. It's Basically, just the worst Batman. If, if it had been about identity crisis, I would have actually wandered over there and punched them. Um, I didn't hate Identity Crisis. Yeah, I know, but there are things wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible, but Hush bothered me more. I mean, Hush doesn't have the creepy gender politics, I guess, but it's, Hush is just more boring. It's, it's bland. It's really bland. Um, it's so bland. I think our listeners should be disappointed that you missed out on the chance to get a qualification. It's not really none a qualification. Well, it's, it's, uh, the youngins these days, they just can't motivate themselves. I've got a shitload of badges on, on Treehouse. Well, I've Loads got a 30 metre swimming certificate. Ooh, ooh, I'm not sure I've, I got that. I've got 50. More, maybe. I've got a silver, whatever that means. Fuck I think all it means, as far as I'm concerned. It means I can, if I'm ever in my pyjamas and I need to retrieve a brick for up to 10 metres down, I can, I can fucking do that. You're our guy. I've got bricks at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. 10 metre ocean. 10 or 10 metres. 10 metres is a lot. I can do you 18 because I'm a certified open water scuba diver. We, but you need we, equipment. This man yeah, just brings yeah. us bricks with his raw flesh. I'm like one of those nubile kids who dives for, uh, for oysters, except I'm a fat old man and it's just bricks. 
Like, if I saw oysters, I wouldn't bring this them. This is the worst I would, ever. I would go out of my way to find a brick instead. And then I'd be like, here's your brick. What the fuck? You're going to fucking like what it. What the fuck would you be advertising with that? I could have brought you oysters. Well, bricks. <laughs> would white tourists not be charmed by you? I don't... I, I don't think so. When you presented them with bricks. Can I suggest that we have strayed somewhat? Perhaps. <laughs> Dave Comfrey, see Ricky. So you liked Saga? I did, it's good. It's it's a it's some more saga. I like the change of pace as well. Yeah, it's a bit expansive. Um I I, I did like the robot stuff, I liked some of the social justice stuff that's creeping in. Um and I like the expansion of the um the kids' tone, kind of building a bit more of a voice. Yeah. Uh Witches, I've been keeping up with Witches in singles. It's the only It's tape- rare for you. It's well I've been reading some digital singles. Digi so, singies. Yeah. If you will. Or comics. Yeah. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're just gonna sulk, you can fuck off. I'm not, I'm not. He's here for the werewolf noises. We need him for the werewolf noises. Okay. So, I've been... There we go. <sighs> You've been what? I've been keeping up with witches in paper singles, um, just because they're quite nice objects. Like, I mean, it would look lovely digitally anyway, it is a very digital first thing, but they... the. It's yeah. about it's about the visuals, and I'm enjoying it on paper. Jock is one of those artists mm-hmm. who his style is tied to digital media in a way that most aren't. Like, there's no attempt to recreate yeah. a pen and paper look. And it would be really nice to kind of zoom in and pinch and what have you. And I'll probably, I don't know, I might get the trade on digital or something. But it's in fact, I'm probably doing it the wrong way around. But it, 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 it's a lovely thing. The story is kind of they started giving us some backstory, which in a way is almost disappointing. Pointing, but you do need it. There's only so long they can keep you dangling. Well, I mean, it's it's essentially a sort of modern folklore, isn't it? Yeah. So you yeah, kind of with, need, with, you need it at some point. It's pretty good horror as well. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it because I'll probably do a review or a retrospective or something when the trade's out. But this is issue four. It's it's a bit more story um, and some deeply unsettling things are starting to happen. So it's moved from the creeping. There's something in the woods. Pressure to the whole kind of the, the enemy might be everywhere society isn't necessarily on our side pressure and bits of bits of folklore about what the witches are so you know there's there's some pretty solid development there and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out and it, it remains it remains beautiful uh, what else trees so I read the first issue as digital a while ago and the trade was out this week um, it's out in comic stores and it'll be out on Amazon later in the month when they get their shit together. I, I, I assume that Mr. Bezos just hates comics or something. I think Image deliberately dig them over uh, so that comic stores get it first. I can get behind that. Fair play to you. I'm not so, like, it's so just, mad keen to save two quid on it. So. It's, it's so... Their books are reliably later on Image yeah. than... It, it's, sorry, on, on Amazon. It can't be an accident. Now... I wasn't sure about trees. Um, from issue one, I thought it had a lot of potential, mm-hmm. um, but it was very, very slow. Bits of it were incredibly, almost smugly, caricaturally Warren Ellis. Um, bloody hell, it's good as a trade. Exact same thought. Like I, I, they stripped out the chapter differences, so it's just continuous. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I read the first, I think, two issues as as singles and didn't really get it. And then when you read the trade, you can sort of see that. The story is almost secondary to the sort of ideas. It's a series of, basically, there's a single inciting incident, which is these things called trees turn up, they're alien, they don't understand us. 
or they don't care about us. They're sort of unknowable, indestructible alien intelligences that occasionally dump poison into the world. Um, and the whole the whole thing is is an excuse to look at the sort of macroeconomic and societal effects of that. And the characters chosen seem to be essentially representative of different strata or different parts of society mm-hmm. or different places in the world. Well, I think I mostly agree with that. But and, and yes, that is the premise. That the, the thing the thing laid out originally. He has this phrase: exerting their silent pressure on the world, which is a very Warren Ellisy thing. Yeah. Um, of that guy, weird guy. Sign up for his newsletter, but um, and for ours. Yes, ours please too. do. Um, ours isn't as good, but it's still weird. It's right there on the sidebar of the site. Yeah, it's a little so bit, a little up. bit to the right. Maybe scroll up if you scroll down for the player. Um, so no trees. It, yes, it's the high concept. Um, I think the thing that floored me is that I thought the first issue would be prologue and then it would be about the trees and the sci-fi premise but it's just not it might be becoming about that but it really is the trees the trees turned up and the world changed now I now I will set some stories in it it's more it's more it's more Sandman than Transmet it could it could get there I sort of I got a fairly major Game of Thrones vibe of it, in a sense, in that there's a single thing, there are a whole load of complicated interconnected systems, mm. and then we see what happens. Yeah. And so we've got um, like the the new president of Somalia, who is some sort of... Is it Somalia? I think it's... Uh, yes. It's, who uh, has a... No? So, it's somewhere on the north coast of Africa. Yeah. <coughs> Racist. Just can't remember. That wasn't helpful. No. I just want to call you guys racists. I don't think you're racists. I think okay. just like through kind of privilege and cultural predicates, I think we might inescapably be. Mm. Like it's it's kind of hard to be this white and this middle class and not have at least some questionable racial psychology. In which case you're soft racist rather than hard racists. Is that a thing? No. It just means you roll your racist R's. Mm. Mm. Sorry, derail. Continue. Um, so yeah, the, the president, he's this kind of, it's, it's a little bit like the Greek situation in that there's sort of a, a young, very passionate, highly, highly decorated economist who's now running this nation that's got mad problems. I think we're having worryingly um, similar thoughts about almost every aspect of yeah. this book because I thought that as well. I mean, there's a bit of this also set, oh no, it's in Italy, not Greece, but um, racist again. But so there's a, there's a tree on the borders of the capital and the sort of independent um, semi-rogue state, and he's trying to sort this out, and arrives at the conclusion that really all he can do is some fairly horrific military action. Mm. But there's there's a degree of kind of thought process there, and movement of sympathy, and very very plausible, very immediate real world style macroeconomic and political thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, You've then got the the Chinese city in the shadow of the tree, which is briefly allowed to be a cultural crucible and then reined in, and there are some amazing panels towards the end of that. But yeah, I can't decide whether horrible. to spoil or not. No, don't. don't. Um, bloody hell, that's good. Because I don't think enough people have been reading this, and it yeah. sort of, by the end of the trade, I thought that it was definitely worthy of wider reading. <laughs> it's, it's gone straight onto my best of 2015 list, and it's going to take some knocking off. It's... It softens a lot of the stuff that you normally get from Warren Ellis. Like, the tech's not really there. The characters are more foregrounded, even if I think they are sort of representative yeah. of wider systems. And issue one yeah. is, you know, Boston Dynamics pacify a slum, and you think, yeah. oh God, this is going to be Absolutely lazy. Thing. 
but that's its side detail. And the stuff he's interested in is there in the side details, the kind of metastasization of the current world. Um, I think I described it as fucking in the shadow of future Google. Yeah. And there is some of that. Oh, I mean, there's, yeah, there's actual Boston Dynamics police robots. Yeah. But, I, but it's more about creating a world in which interesting stories, and I think overwhelmingly stories about economic decay, can play out. I feel like this is, this is not about the technology, it's not about the sci-fi premise. It's... That, was it, was it, I think I keep saying this on the podcast, I think it was William Gibson that talked about the best futures being selectively extruded presents. Uh, I believe so. And um, Neil Stevenson does this quite well, although he does he quite well once you correct for crypto wank. I still enjoy it. Uh, and it, it you, you mean wanking about cryptography and, and cryptocurrencies rather than yeah. having a very, very odd wank that he doesn't even know about? Well, it's kind of salt involved. It's 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 very salty and it's 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 asymmetric. Yeah, yeah. like he doesn't necessarily. You can't tell he's wanking unless you. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's 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 in that mould of taking the things that could happen to our cultures and currencies and our and our economies if you just provided a few little nudges. Um, and the obvious fucking analogy is that global economics is as implacable and inscrutable and as unkind and unwilling to recognise individual beings as intelligent life as the trees. I get that. I also really enjoy the fact that you gradually realise they're basically transistors. Yeah. Um, which is not entirely a spoiler. No, no. It's I, it, it features so little. Like, there's a bit of it... There's a bit of that comes into play towards the end, but... I think it's only really sort of serving to accelerate cultural breakdown rather than yeah. being the focus of the plot. A lot of the characters are not very likeable. That's fine. Some of them are utterly adorable. I did think that it was almost completely missing any big Warren Ellis tropes. Yes, and the then, exception of the premise. Then a weird old spook turns up and he's living in Alistair Crowley's old house. And hello, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> the Warren Ellis we all know and love. Yeah, and... The way it goes with it, Shang Li in the yeah. Chinese. So there's some very LSE stuff there. I think that it's a bit outside of his usual ballpark. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's glorious. And remind me, who's drawing it? Is it Howard? Jason Howard. Howard. Uh, the covers are. Is he doing them as well? Yes. The covers are exquisite. Um, very pared back iconographic stuff from that sort of very graphic designy school. Um, beautiful, beautiful things. Uh, the actual panels are, are glorious, but the covers are bloody striking. Um, no, trees. Fucking love trees. Also, it's uh, it's an image book, so the first trade is quite cheap for what you get. It's so. really good. It's eight, it, it's eight issues. It's like There's a lot in there. Give it a try. The only thing I would caution against is it is eight issues of prologue, and in that Game of Thronesy way that Mr. Convery alluded to, he will burn things. Like that, there are nothing. Nothing is sacred. Mm. Don't get attached. It's. It is quite set up heavy, but once you realise that that's okay, because it's not about getting getting to the main plot. These are the stories. That's yeah. Anything else? Uh, Friends with boys. Which is Faith Aaron Hicks. Faith Aaron Hicks. It is Canadian teens with feels. Which is basically what you do now. I do seem to have read a lot of the Canadian Teen Feels comics. That's good. It, this this is... It's quite slight. 
It's got a lot in it. It's quite slight. It's got ghost stories. It's got bits and pieces. It, the world it's in feels really skewed to me. There's something subtly... I, there's something a little bit too blasé about the high school. Like, the drama club gets to put mm. on a musical they've written about zombies. The... <laughs> the jock sports team that rules the roost are a fucking volleyball team. It's just, there's something a little bit kooky about it that doesn't sit. It's interesting. Um, I believe she did the War at Ellesmere. Was that her? Yeah, that sounds... It was, again, my experience was that it was slighter than I'd expected, and I don't know if this is a... I don't know. I, I think she's going for something to do I with her world building. I quite enjoyed it, but found it quite disposable because mm. it was a... Ellesmere or... Yeah, it, it's so a young adult. It's again, it's, it's sort of set in a boarding school for girls, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a, it's about warring factions. Ah, um, it is. Is it a play on the War of Jenkins ear? Is that a thing? I have no fucking clue. If it is, it's a long shot. Mm. I would say. But yeah, I've, I enjoyed it, but found it quite slight. It's mm. not something that I wanted to continue with. It, it's good. Um, I picked it up in Gosh. They were foregrounding it on the big table. It's it's a it, it's a nice team book. It's not it's not a heavy one. It's not mm. like Skim or um, Blankets or anything. It's it's a nice light frothy team book. It's good fun. There are some interestingly sketched characters. I, I'm not going to be able to give it massively effusive praise. It's no, I think that's the sort of thing that she aims for, though, is sort of mm. fun. And there's more to it, but not massively. She's This is her first sort of big yeah. book, isn't it? This, this I think so. It would she's be done a, lots and lots of stuff in webcomics and lots of small that books. That shows in some of the design. I mean, teens love fun. They do love fun. They are. That's hence the phrase, fun-loving teens. Mm-hmm. It would be a really good um, comic to get people into comics, provided they also liked the subject matter. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 super approachable. Hmm. That's good. So it's sort of on the lovely but not quite for you side of things. Yeah, I, I like a little bit more, maybe sadness, maybe a little bit more <laughs> heft. Just heft. yeah, precocious complexity. Heft. I, I prefer. You like Alison Bechdel. Yeah, and the cousins to Marky. Yeah. Not everything can be that. But no. Yeah. No. Nor should everything be that. Maybe. What should it be, Lucy? What should it be? It should be stuff and things. It should be fun. I'm all in what you've been reading. Oh, it was, right, right. It was like an amazing segue okay, that you failed to recognise. No, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't that amazing well. It was amazing. Shut up. You're a werewolf. I, my, I don't know if anyone's picked up on the fact that my voice is slightly Everyone's husky. picked up on it. I speak for all of our listeners. Lucy, what have you been reading? I've been reading some stuff, Dave. I've been reading Casanova, the first volume of Casanova. Excellent. I by um, Matt Fraction, Brazilians. Brazilians, many of them. Gabriel mm-hmm. Barr, Fabio Moon. So, did you hate it? I didn't hate it. I really thought you'd hate it. Really? Yeah. Okay, why did you think yeah. I'd hate it? Um, I thought that you'd bounce off it in a similar way that I did when I first read it, in that maybe not thinking it was too willfully inscrutable and too daft without maybe picking up on the fact that some of the daft stuff was particular references, or if you did not caring in the same... Basic, I thought you'd have, broadly speaking, my reaction, but probably a bit more scathing. You generalised from self, Roger. Yes, I did. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine. Um, I but I know we're bothered by some of the same things. Yeah, yeah, I didn't super, super love it. I'm not... 
I enjoyed a lot of things about it. Really, really liked the one-liners. Those were. It's got a lot of very good, punchy, pithy jokes in there that yeah. I appreciated. Um, I liked the weird space blob robots. All of the weird robots. The fucking with the timelines. It was sexy Modox. Yeah, it's basically sexy. Mo- it is, it's full of references to '60s Marvel, like. Dum Dum Duggan is just a character in this. Um, he's just there with his ginger moustache and his bowler hat, and he's just a character in it. Um, the main character's dad is basically Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, he himself is, let's be honest, he's Mick Jagger. Mm. Um, it features Blodock. Yes, it's got a sex Modoc. And then there's tons of references to Euro spy comics at the times as well. Like, so there's, there's a big, di- the whole thing opens with a sort of diabolique. Um, pastiche. I mean, I think there were a huge number of references that completely passed me by, but I was okay with that. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of um, built on them, but in a way that it's sort of a stylistic magpie, mm. and it just throws a lot of cool shit in a blender. And even if you know where this stuff derives from, it still comes out as a kind of mental patchwork. Mm. Um, it was surprisingly dense. It took me a very long mm. time to read, which. Given the kind of slenderness of the trades, I was hoping I'd get it knocked off in an hour or so, and it did took longer. No, it's it's dense. I read it in singles when it first came out, um, and again, I completely bounced off it. But the density was part of it. Mm. Like kind of the density coupled with the references that I knew I was missing, and what I missed, what I thought at the time was a kind of pointless silliness, which I suspect was something totally different. Mm. Uh, it's it's definitely quite silly, but um, zany even. But I think that's just the tone. If if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. But I'd be interested to see if you uh, if you reread it now, fond of Modoc as you are. Uh, Who doesn't love a bit of Modoc on the cornflakes? No, well, no one. And there's a uh, a character in this who particularly likes a little bit of Modoc, um, and he has a giant battle robot and knows karate. So I don't know where I'm going with that. But I'm just I'm saying he's better than you. He purchased some brides. Yeah, he did. Um, how far have you gotten, Ned? Finish the first trade. Okay. I'm going to start the second at some point. I was going to try and read them all for this week's, and then I read one and thought that would do for now. Oh, that'll do. Yeah. When it originally came out, Image were running this um, weird little imprint of very, very short comics. Like, mm. each of them were 18 pages, no adverts. But it was Warren Ellis' Stella It was Fell and it was Casanova. I don't remember if there were any others. There was one other, I think, but I can't remember what it was. Or maybe I'm making it up. Casanova came out in sort of really limited colours. It was just black and green to save on printing so they could sell it for like $1.50. Yeah, that also bothered um, me. Are the trades recolored? Yes. I might get on a lot better with it. Yeah, the trades are recolored and the new hardbacks are oversized um, are as well. I'm not buying it for a fourth time. That's, that's kind of enough for me. You haven't got shelf space for one? No, not even a little. Um... When you gave me back my copy of Lighter Than My Shadow, I, I'd forgotten that that thing is like three bricks in a bag. It's huge. It's, yeah. I now have and I brought space. you those bricks. Of course. Shit. Lucy, what else have you been reading? I read um, the second edition of I Don't Like My Hair Neat by Julia Sheen. Um, it was... Do you have to pronounce it like that, with the upwards inflection? I didn't intend to, and then it just happened. Okay. And I'm not actually, I'm not sure of how hard the skirt is. I, I've not studied enough German or met her, so I probably just mangled it anyway. Okay. Uh, sorry, 
Julia. Assuming you even pronounce that with a hard J, Germany terrifies me. I think she's English. She's German. Is she? Yeah, she's straight up German. I'm pretty sure she's straight up German. If she's not, God, sorry again. (laughs) Anyway. Tell us about the comic. It was was similar to the first. It had a kind of zany feel, lots of little short snippets, um, storytelling without words. There was a bit of setting sections of songs in comic, basically, Mm -hmm. which was cool. Um, And a couple of little stories, one of which she drew and someone else wrote. Um, It was fun. Talk about the songs thing. I didn't know any of the songs Mm. in question, which probably didn't help, but there was a Latique song. I'm going to just stop speaking foreign languages. And um, I don't know. Did it stop? I quite like Latique. I've got it in my bag over there if you want to take a look. I do. Okay. Um, And then something by someone I'd never heard of. And one was kind of... I think done at a party or something or with some people in a room and the other one was some kind of it had mountains and naked people possibly an orgy there were some other naked people there were naked people if you like naked people in a sort of non-sexualized context you might want this you like Roger descending likes naked a staircase people in a sexualized context I do prefer that yeah but then you like the, you like paintings of naked people I do although I like them to be weird and angular yeah my sister went on a school trip to Tuscany when she was in sixth form and one of her teachers said on the bus on the way to see David, be sure to take in the mail form. This <laughs> <laughs> is just completely weird. Uh, Why do you say that to a bus of teenage girls? Was, was I, I have to ask, was this teacher like an Irish nun or had she just had a stroke? Totally unclear. Okay. What else? I read some more comics. I read... Um, the Side Effects of the Cocaine yeah. by uh, Sean Collins and Isaac Molnay? Moylan. Moylan. At least that's how you've written it's an it. Anagram. <laughs> it's let's, an assume, anagram. let's assume that you spelt it correctly. Yeah, yeah. I did, Moylan. We can just blag it. I want to call it Molnar. I'm having a lot of name problems today. That's a different person. Yeah. Um, is this, this is something you've read also? Or? No. Okay, okay. I can um, read it now. This is a link. Yeah, it's a link. It's online. It's on the webs. You can read it for free. If you've got webs, you've got to have webs. You do have to have the internet. I, that was really bad user experience. I fucking love to know how they're um, reading this, if not. Well, indeed. Um, it's about David Bowie at the height of his cocaine addiction, told Ooh. through really weird symbolism and just the shit he was coming out with at uh, that There's point. a lot of women that look like David Bowie in this. Yeah. And his... I mean, you're not the artist. You can't really talk us through the choices here. I don't know if this is accurate, but his nutsack is enormous. There are also a lot of swastikas. That's a very large scrotum. It's, it's huge, isn't it? Just look at it there. It's like halfway to his knee. Well, Coke does lengthen up the ball bag. Really? No, God, oh, why? I was going to say. That's just... <laughs> And then there's this... Yeah. We've honed in on certain details of this comment. That's true. I feel we're, we're doing, doing close a, reading on We're doing this. a well, no, Right, so you've got the, the enormous scrotum and then the weirdly drawn leg where from the side I thought the whole thing was the scrotum, so, like, it's not great. Uh, He's not the fucking elephant man. Drawing. And, and then you've got this, this... He played him on stage, though. Bowie. Is there anything he can't do? And then you've got this, this weird downward shot. Walker speed. Downward shot of the crotch, which appears to again zero in on the scrotum. It's, 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 
it's a it's, it's a, a scrotal word. It's scrotumnal. I enjoyed it. It was it was really fucked up and weird and quite. Is short. he putting a sound up there? No, he's pissing into a bottle. I thought he was having an old school STD test with the sort of umbrella thing. Apparently they don't do that anymore because no. you couldn't get the, the stuff in the first few mils of, of pee. Oh, really? They don't stick anything up there anymore? Um, last time I went, they didn't. Did they stick it up the lady hole still? Because that... I didn't ask. That was... A... But I assume if it works for the, for the, for the gentleman hole, then um, it, 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 there's a reasonable odds that you can do it with a pee test? Yeah, but you guys have got like the... the... The pointy bit at the end. Well, there's a bit of extra length there, yeah. so if, it, if it's to do with like the stuff accumulating tracks. in the tubes. Yeah, I've guys, got more tubes guys, guys, You Maybe? are. I can't remember. Not talking about the comic anymore. I don't know if you noticed this, but you've kind of slipped <laughs> sideways into comparing the human urethra in the different genders, and you're not talking about comics at all. There's bound to be a comic about that. Yes, there Surely is. The different sexes. Different sexes. Biological relevance. I stand corrected. Constructed, Mr. Conger. You're a biologist. I do stand corrected. Sorry, I'm just being a dick. But yeah, I think I think they might. Being a dick, talking about a dick. I think they might stick a little less stuff up you. Okay, that's good to know. Listeners, if you were worried about them sticking stuff up you, don't let that put you off getting tested for horrible diseases of the nethers. Also, if you like this comic, there's a a wonderful uh, picture of David. Bowie pissing into a toaster. Uh, he looks quite delighted, so Google that. That's true, he did do that one time. He did do that. Put it in the show notes. I'm not going to. No, 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 you must. No. I will if you don't. He will. He will. I really I even have I'm... a thing that tells me what my login is now, so I can use the site again. I don't like Sorry this at all. <laughs> I read another comic. You did? I did. It was called... Uh, Moonhead and the Music Machine. Yes. It was good. It was good. It was you really liked good. It. I liked it a lot. Have you read it? I have read it, yeah. Okay. We've ta- oh, maybe you weren't here when no, we talked about it. No, I wasn't here. Oh, um, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd trumped you. I talked, no, I talked... Pulled one out of the bag. Sorry, no. No, no bro, of course you read it I, I me. I talked to uh, Roger about it, and it was, it's quite an optimistic uh, and, and generally nice book, so he looked really nonplussed. It made me... It reminded me of The Motherless Ovens, but optimistic. Less, so there's kind of something slightly weird going on in society. It's a lot, a lot less oppressive, though. Yeah. And it ends with nice things, but it's 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 teens, teens working through some stuff with machinery. Yeah. I'm trying not to. No, not like that. Self-image issues. Right, right, right. It's it's a guy with a moon for a head friends. and his friend, the ghost from the ghost from Class X. Yes, ghost boy called? from ghost class boy X. from Class X. Um, He's Joey Moonhead from Class Y. These aren't social classes, these are forms in school. Right. It's got brilliant, really sort of starkly geometric art, which just... I might like that. The is lovely. fucking amazing as well. Um, And it's just... It's kind of... It's not one of those things I can properly express why I like it. It's just delightful. Mm -hmm. Um, Charming. Yeah. Charming Charming without being irritating in its charm, which is a rare gift. Was it, was it not one of your um, 2014 picks? Uh, I think it was on the long list. Oh, I should have read the long list. should have yeah, read the long I list. I should have read some of the lists. Right, so we've, we've moved on from talking about David Bowie's imaginary nutsack via the human re- urethra to you two just swearing at the microphone. Silently. So who wants to know what I've read? Tell us. Do we, do we Tell us, Daddy Werewolf. That's going to stick. <laughs> I... 
We can I, make this happen to I you. I kind of want that. I want that as a band name, though. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I can't sing like this. Sorry, as in rock. As in acoustic, as in, or as in you want it forbidden. No, no, I, want, no, I, I would like that as, you know, Daddy Werewolf and the somethings. You'd what have would to it be, though? Band. Daddy Werewolf and the... Medicine Caravan. <laughs> Quite like that. Or maybe just Medicine Cabinet. No, you've got to suggest motion, the wheels of yeah. progress going forwards. I'm doing the train. Tell yeah, them I'm is. doing the train. <laughs> She's doing the train, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I can maintain the chugs. <laughs> arithmetic. Blow the whole thing up. Well, no one can leave until you find out what I've read. What have you read, Dave? Quickly tell us. I've read. Fast. <clears throat> Mm. Faster. Mm. I read Satellite Sam. I can't talk any faster than this. It's really fucked. <laughs> How was that for you? Ah, uh, Satellite Sam, not the voice. Patchy. Um, it was by Matt Fraction and Howard Jakin, and it's a sort of sleazy mystery set at the, the dawning of television. Mm. Um the lead actor in the the shitty sci-fi serial Satellite Sam has died. His alcoholic son has been forced to take over the role and he's also trying to find out why his father was making so much pornography. (laughs) And, uh... So the problem is the quantity. He's made a lot of porn, yeah. He would be okay if there were less of it. I think so, because it would, it would make it easier to figure out who killed him. Right. Which one of the many people in yeah. this tangled web of pornography Yeah, he is. basically has a wall-covered porn, and he's, he's crossing off people as he eliminates them as suspects, while drinking himself to death and playing a kind of shitty spaceman on television. That his dad used to play. Yeah, it's a bit... Got issues. It's got some. It's got some issues. That actually sounds really good. Is it in the? Is it in the bundle? It's in the image bundle. So if you bought the ima- if, you, if you bought the image humble bundle, Fuck. you already own this. Huh. It is. It's really tough to read um, because it goes full Sorkin. Um, shit is happening. There are a lot of characters. They're all talking at once. It's very very hard to keep track of, at least initially, and it's playing out across multiple timelines. It's uh, really tough to follow. Um, also, the sheer volume of pornography. There's a lot of porn. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's all. I watch a lot of porn. It's fifties nudie shots. It's not sort of tits and flaps everywhere. That kind of came in the seventies, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then suddenly got tittier and flappier until mm-hmm. the internet was a thing. And now it's just everything, really. Just everything everywhere. There's a reason we are not cultural critics, and I believe it's the use of phrase like tittier and flappier. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about ornithology. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting book, and the style is very deliberate. Um, it's, it's, it settles in after a while, and the various characters start to differentiate themselves a bit more. Um, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it because it's a fucking difficult book to read but it's interesting and if you've already got the Image Humble bundle it's definitely worth a look I don't know why that reminded me but um, Matt Kent has a new thing coming um, about weird astronauts how weird how weird how weird are these astronauts I think it's um, astronauts that return to herald a Soviet dystopia or something it's mad shit happens in space 
But the, the solicit looked amazing. It's on some small press thing, and I cannot remember why this reminded me or what it's called, but some, presumably it's the name is Satellite Sound, that made me think of space, but I'll dig it up and put it in the show notes. It looks like it might be brilliant. Please do, that sounds fun. Speaking of uh, stuff like that, I also read uh, Nameless, which is the new Grant Morrison comic on oh. on Image. Is it any good? Um, so far, it's pretty good, yeah. Um, so it's it's Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham, and Nathan Fairburn. Um, it looks a lot like Frank Quietly. I can't tell how deliberate that is, but people have been going out of their way to do Quietly-esque drawings on this. Um, but... Essentially, there's a there's an asteroid on collision course with Earth. There are mystical portents, and everything is riding on on the success of a uh, basically a mystical con man called Nameless, who is uh, roped in by a bunch of incredibly rich technologists to save the world. It's all set up in the first issue, but it's good set up. It basically ends with a dishevelled con man about to be shot into space. Who doesn't <laughs> want that? Who doesn't want to read more of that? That does sound good. That's that's also good. I do like me a confidence trickster. Yeah, it's about it's to be shot into space. It's, it's basically Melville never did that. If Constantine had lost one of his shoes and been strapped into a rocket, that's that's kind of what this is. Uh, <laughs> What else did you read, What Dave? else did I read? I read lots of shit from the Image Bundle. Uh-huh. Um, Velvet, which is also excellent. Um, it's an Ed Brubaker spy novel. Ed Brubaker knows spies and crime. Um, it's sort of 60s, 70s set with a, basically a sort of... A female James Bond sounds reductive, but female super agent has been taken out of the field because of reasons and then is framed and has to go back into action in her mid to late 40s. Um, and it's sort of the world post-World War Two crashing into the sort of proper full-on 60s, 70s Cold War um, and people who have been used up by being spies for so long and what happens to them. So it's one of those LSE things, but Ed Brubaker doing it. Sounds it's, a bit more Le Carrier than Ellis. It's, uh, it definitely lives more in the real world. It's not fully real world. It probably sits somewhere between Bond and Le Carre. I mean, have you read The Spy Who Came In From The Cold? The really bitter early Le Carre one. It's got a lot more car chases than that. Um, so it does have the... It does have the sort of intelligence fraternity stuff that happens in Le Carre, the sort of stuff that happens across borders regardless, and... Mm. The fact that there is a sort of camaraderie between intelligence people, no matter what side they're on. Um, it's just fun. Read it. You also own it. Congratulations. We all own it. We all own it. I read um, Miss Don't Touch Me, um, <sighs> which has been reissued in a new giant format. Ooh. Um, I do not need to buy it twice. Well, it's both volumes in a single one, so you know it's, it's, it's not as bad as it could be. Um, we talked about it oh, probably a year ago, maybe more. Have you read that? Um, I haven't. It's fun and hella sad at the end. It's I, I honestly don't know if it was meant to have another volume that just never happened or... Um, Tell me more of it beyond the emotions it inspires. In the first volume, uh, there there's a young girl who 
basically her sister is murdered and in order to try and track down the killer she winds up working as a, a virgin dominatrix in a high-class bordello in 1920s Paris. Um, you can see start. why I like it. Good start. And there's a... Um, there's this is a, basically what Gertrude Stein would flick herself off to. There's a killer on the loose. She's hitting people for money. Everyone in the, uh, in the, in the bordello is up to something. Um, a shady bordello, just, you say. A shady bordello. I know why Roger likes this. <laughs> it's not one of those nice clean ones that he would uh, turn his nose up at. Yeah, it's a sterile bordello. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it, depending on your kink. It's very... Um, it's very Uber comics. It's by uh, Hubert and uh, Carousette, who are a, I think, husband and wife team I'm of artists. Sure. But it's two artists, anyway. And they also did Beautiful Darkness, which was mm. lovely, with uh, which they did with Velman. Um, it's very Eurocomics. Occasionally, it looks like Tintin mm. um, is in a... That's, without being as reductive as that, but it's very simplistic, mm. um, clean lines, and occasionally goes absolutely off the deep end. But that works very well with the style. So it's something that looks in that... I think it's, it's, it's cleaved very tightly to that slightly twee Euro model um, for the punch. Mm. So there, there's some stuff... How spoiler reverse are you feeling? Carry on. So there's a, a character, a kind of a young gad about town, suitor of Miss Don't Touch Me in the second volume, who is tremendously evasive in their romantic entanglements, mm. and it becomes obvious that he's a big old whoopsie. And uh, Mummy has him lobotomized. Mummy! <laughs> And it's just, it's excruciatingly painful, but it's done in these, like, cutesy, slightly more fushy... Like, it, it looks like Art Nouveau Tintin. Mm-hmm. Um, Pointy people. It's just... Pointy, oh, swirly people. God, it's painful. I mean, it's bad, it would be bad enough if it weren't, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, someone trying to have your faggotry lobotomized away is, is... It's not good. But what's really no. what's really horrible about that is in the first in the first volume, um, she is sort of tracking down a murderer and, and she's very naive and doesn't know what she's doing. But you know she's doing a good thing. In the second one, she she actually just wants him to be straight and and hers, and uh, it sort of ends like the first volume ends with her thinking about her sister combing her hair for her, and the second one sort of mirrors that with this sort of touch she's never going to have of him having been lobotomized and now being perfect and in love with her and everything she wanted. And then it just ends, and that's it. Um, she's completely adrift in a world she doesn't understand. Everyone hates her, and she's fantasizing about a man missing chunks of his brain and skull, loving her. And that's the end of the book. Oh, God. But yeah, that sounds grim. It's beautiful and it really works, and it does have a sense of humor, and the characters are great. It, it's, it's just, it, it, it's a painful book, but it, it's, it's a brilliant book. Um, I, 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 I fucking love it. Do you want to borrow it? I did. I also read *The Sculptor* by Scott McCloud. Ooh, which mm. is the new book by Scott McCloud, which carries a certain Heft. weight of expectation and burden because it's his first book in twenty fucking years. Mm-hmm. You sound um, disappointed. No. Yes. Mm. It's both. Um, it's the blast of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, I tried to read this without the whole weight of 
oh my god, it's Scott McLean. I almost tried to do an OMG squee, but it's not happening. Um, aside from understanding comics, can you give me a little Scott McLeod history? Because he was Scott, before my time. Scott McLeod um, was doing some... Basically, understanding comics is still what he's best known for. Mm-hmm. He did understanding comics in 1993, and then a couple of years later did reinventing comics, mm-hmm. which looked at sort of the birth of web comics and how people were going to get paid in the future and so on. And they did. It came true. It came true. He's a mystic, or someone with a computer and half an idea about how imagination. Works. Yeah, um, yeah. These computers are really going to take off any day now. I like the signs in the computer museum um, and the guy saying things like, I believe there may be the need for up to five computers in the world in oh, the I future. Love that. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to need a computer at home. Mm. Bill Gates. Good predicting there. Good predicting. Um, he did a couple of uh, comics before that. So he did uh, one, a massive, massive comic called Zot, um, which is a sort of 50s style um, comic about a superhuman Superman-esque character but with much more sci-fi influence spilling over into our world and influencing the life of a, a teenage girl um, and it's it's kind of epic I think it's about six or seven hundred pages in the collected edition um, and it's kind of cute and, and nice and he did another one called Destroy um, which was much much shorter thing but it's basically a piss take of superhero comics She's two gargantuan, uh, overpowered characters having this fight the levels of city, and then the final panel is the, the all of the payoff, which is the guy, the hero stood there saying, "Oh, thank God, nobody got hurt." Um, which brings us to the present day, um, the sculptor, which is semi autobiographical, I think. It's it's definitely about you know it's you can't do a book which is about artists' relationship to art without uh, making something that is semi autobiographical. So it's about a young sculptor who had a sort of brief run and then by being a complete asshole managed to alienate his patron and um, wound up flipping burgers, having no money. Mm-hmm. Um, not wildly similar to bits of When We Dead Awaken. I am not familiar with that. Oh, it's uh, Ibsen's last play. Yes, I'm not very familiar with Ibsen because I didn't do the Cambridge tragedy paper. Sorry. Essentially, the the, the, the sculptor guy, David, is run down and he makes a deal with Death, who, it turns out, was his great uncle all along. Um, of course. Because Death has taken a mortal form, like in the film Meet Joe Black. So it starts out really promisingly. The setup is good. Um, the art's not fantastic. I, I don't like the sort of digital colouring that they've used. It's, it's a bit weak. An arsehole in The Guardian um, got very upset about it. Yes, well, I mean... He, but that man was an idiot. He, that man was an idiot. What he failed to notice was that the framing was incredibly good. Um, it's the, okay, though, because literally everyone on the internet said he was an idiot. Yeah, sometimes at him. It was great. Um, so it's all going very well with his, he sort of he makes a deal with death. He has two hundred days left to live, but he has absolute control over anything he touches. So he can finally translate every, what he's thinking into uh, into art. Uh, and it turns out that he makes some really trite things, and no one really likes it. But then he meets this girl. Oh no! And um, it's interesting that that 
Scott McLeod's entire family have been defending against, like his wife has been on Twitter showing a thing their daughter made, defending against criticisms of this character as Manic Pixie Dream Girl, because it is based on his wife. Mm. Nothing says legit like getting your wife to argue for you on Twitter. Yeah, I think you just may well have done it under her own steam. But true, saying true. that, um, you know, saying, oh no, it's based on me. Don't care, it's badly written. It's extremely badly written. There's a montage where they run around going to museums, getting inspired, and she eats weird food, and he falls in love with her. It's fucking Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh. It's really problematic. It's just it's just not well done. Let's go to the fits and get it on. The whole the whole book can we almost do that? falls apart. Yeah, I mean that'd be really they nice. Don't, I, don't can dress, I can dress up funny and try and try and access Manic Pixie Dream Boy. Can you do what you used to do when you had long hair? Drink and cry. Dressed like a Japanese schoolgirl and put on affectations while smoking cigarillos through a cigarette holder. Yes, I, think I that can. Sounds Manic Pixie Dream Boy. Oh God, I was, wasn't I? Oh Christ! Did you inspire the shit out of anyone? Um. This weird lady wouldn't stop touching me. How did you feel? Was it violated? Deeply conflicted, but we both had live journals. It was a strange time. This doesn't really go into live journal. The early part of this century, I presume. Um, so time. basically they do, the, they do the whole Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing. Um, and I'm not exaggerating here. It is a montage sequence of them running around they eat crickets, or she eats crickets, and, and he's very inspired. Um, and then, of course, it turns out that she's actually profoundly mentally ill. She has She's manic-depressive, which is fine. And there's some reasonably sensitive stuff about how they handle that. And then they run into the hoary old trope of friends sitting around going, but she just won't take her pills. And then the whole counterpoint of, I just want to feel everything and be alive. Like, the absolute most childish, most oft-repeated take on mental illness in any sort of modern writing. Oh, God. Aside from that, it's quite good. But, but there are two large sections that really annoyed me. I thought he wasn't a fucking idiot. I just don't think he's had much exposure to any other media because these things are so played out. They're, they're just done absolutely to death, and it was actually kind of painful to but read. But surely them. also really fucking ill-informed? Like, if you've spent any time dabbling in some of the cultural criticism and cultural discourse around either tropes, as Magnus, Deep Green Girl, or representations of mental health, someone will have fucking slapped you and told you not to do precisely this. Well, they all seem very surprised that it's been criticised as being Manic Pixie Dream Girl. There's this whole thing you can do where you talk to people who've had the experiences you want to write about and then you use that to inform the thing you're writing about and it makes it slightly more real so, than whatever bullshit you dreamed up. I'm, I'm assuming that it's entirely based on his wife. Um, it claws its way back towards the end. So the reason, the reason that his art is tried is that his fear of being forgotten is what drives him and so everything Well, that's is. also tried. Uh, yes, yeah. So they try and get past that, and it sort of looks at different I mean, there's ways. There's one good instantiation of that, and it's an episode of Futurama. With a sad dog. I was thinking of the one with Bender and the pyramids. I like the sad dog one too, though. It's a good episode. It takes forever. Um, so 
it does it does say that you know, because he wants to be forgotten the stuff that he makes is crap um, because he doesn't want to be forgotten rather um, and so it doesn't quite hang together partly because those bits annoyed me really quite badly um, because they're just really badly handled quite trite warmed over but it sort of ends well and it starts very very strongly but it just has this flabby middle section where it's not quite sure what it's going to say when it gets back onto the sort of theme of mortality it works a lot better but those missteps just mean that it, it just didn't work for me it's a thing that in concept I want to read, but having heard that, I just know I'll throw it at a wall if I try to. It's probably worth reading, but the, I mean, I basically, I read about 200 pages of it in one sitting, got to the bit where they were running around museums, and just went, oh, for fuck's sake, and put it down. I, uh, I, I just had to. I don't think that this is illegitimate criticism, no matter what Scott McLeod's wife says. Um, it's it's what his wife said is broadly irrelevant to what gets instantiated in the work. Um, yeah, that's me getting a bit hardcore de- death of the author. I admit, but no, um, no, no. It's um, yeah. Well, you're also killing the family, salting the earth, burning their crops and their livestock, ruining everything basically because um, he didn't like it. That's my critical error. But you know, um, it's based on a real person. Don't care. Don't care. It doesn't translate. It just comes across as as a trope. Yeah, but, yeah, the fact that your thing that comes across as a trope was based on a real person doesn't mean you've done the job of making that person yeah, real. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, yes, it does, exactly. It doesn't mean that it's well written or well well thought out. See also the autobiography of Alice B. Toklas is absolute shite. Yeah, the whole point of... Good brownies there. This person I love, you should also fall in love with them. It just doesn't work and you end up with, you know, thousands of Zoe Deschanel films. So this week we watched She Makes Comics. Which is a documentary. About women who make comics and, and are involved in comics. And yeah. Women who make comics, women in comics culture. Uh, by Marissa Stotter. And it was produced by... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's Sequart. Sequential Art Organization. Mm-hmm. Sequart? Sequart. Sequart. We're going to sound like parrots regardless. <laughs> Possibly cockatiels. I don't know. Sequart makes the most sense. Sequart. Sequart. I don't Sequart? know. Sequart? Ooh, it's a little. Is that going for punny? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, was, was it was it kickstarted? Was that it? It was kickstarted. Yeah. Um, you can also back them on Patreon, and they do general um, <clears throat> academicy, comicy stuff. Mm. So it's it's um yeah it's, it's a kickstarter project. It's uh, I I guess I was I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised by how well produced it was. I guess I, I got into my head without really doing my homework that it would be a little bit sketchy. Ladies made it, so it must be bad. That is not what I mean. No, I know. I'm no. I'm being a dick. Like, like in Kickstarter internet twats made it, yeah. so there's no guarantee that it will be good. Is of more course, where I was coming from there. Um, yeah, Kickstarter just... internet twats were off to a good start. Oh come on! There's plenty of shite on there as well as plenty of amazing stuff. Yes. Yes, you can always do your research. I did not. Turned out to be great. Well, we—I mean, we didn't back it. We just bought it. Oh right, I thought you—I thought you backed it. No, Lucy suggested we watch it. I did. I bought it. We went to your house. We had a lovely dinner. We did. We watched the film. Made some now, let's talk about what we thought about the film. 
So for me, it was um, like a big, warm, fuzzy hug. It kind of reminded me... This is going to sound slightly weird. I don't really leave the house a great deal. That's not the bit that's weird. That's just kind of to be expected, given my sort of combination of yeah. interests and brain problems. We're, we're a comics podcast. I don't think anyone's going, holy shit. And I work um, in a software company, which is a lot of dudes. Doubling know. down. We have ladies, but I know all the ladies. Yeah. And actually, I just hadn't really seen that many women in any one place for a really long time mm-hmm. and they were all really passionate about the thing that they loved and it made me feel really good i felt like i'd had a little hug from ladies of comics so that was good yeah i I'd not i didn't know quite a few of them particularly some of the early names i, I knew the rough structure of the story for mm-hmm. the early stuff but um I hadn't seen that many female comics professionals together at once. Hell, I work in a software company, the very same software company, and I don't see rooms full of women very often because our industry has mad diversity problems. Um, it, the comics industry does too, yeah. which is weird for an industry that anyone can join by doing the thing. But it's well, not, not, anyone, not anyone can join by doing the thing because of the structural injustices. Yes. But, Ditto software. But, yeah. that's, that's probably where I was going with that. You would hope that they... I, I mean, I would, I would assert based on very little data that the structural injustices are probably stronger and more obnoxious in software but probably it's further away from the things that women are conditioned to do it's mathematically based and there is a strong drive against women in maths at least in our culture it's there's a lot of horrible shite to internalize a lot of prejudice to keep people out of it art is particularly in higher education easily more female, but not at a professional level necessarily. You don't get encouraged in that direction. It's, oh, isn't it nice that you do some drawings where you make me a birthday card? Mm. Particularly for a long time as well, where it were, comics were dominated by commercial concerns. Mm. And I mean, that's kind of broadly folded down to DC, Marvel, Image and a few smaller studios now, but it was DC, Marvel and a whole bunch of other people who were churning out identical superhero comics yeah, for so a very long time. Something I really enjoyed was... Well, not exactly enjoyed, but hadn't realised was the kind of... It began egalitarian. It began... You know, there are a few women yeah. in the workforce in general, but if you were a woman and you could draw, you could probably get a job drawing comics because they were for everyone. They were for kids. Mm. They were in newsstands. They were very accessible. And it was when it kind of yeah. became its own weird thing that it became a dudes club. Well, I mean, one of the one of the main things that really... They sort of touched on this, but not in any massive detail. One of the things that really limited the types of comics that were put out was the introduction of the comics code. You couldn't have a wolfman. Uh, you but, couldn't have a wolfman. You but more than that, just masculinity under capitalism. So, well, so I, I know this is a hoary, a hoary old story, but you've, and it's not, it doesn't quite go like this, but all the boys come home from the war and they want their jobs back is the mm. reductivist version. But above and beyond that, the cultural shift you get after that kicks women out of the workforce. You've, you've got... Or it at least denatures them in the workforce. It restricts their roles much yeah. more heavily. You've got something that's a bit more egalitarianism and then masculinity under capitalism asserts itself. So the commercial pressures bear down on comics and squeeze them towards it. It's not well, like video games. Video games have constructed this pathological culture of the basement-dwelling lone male gamer that it, their innovator's dilemma style therefore becomes more and more economically obvious to address whilst not realising there are opportunities that you're not addressing. Mm. So that's broadly what happened with the the Comics Code in that mm. it was another forced commercial contraction. Whenever you have essentially an outside force that's squeezing on your ability to sell, there's an inherent conservatism that comes out of that. Mm. And so horror comics got dropped, a lot of sci-fi got dropped, 
um, a lot of romance comics got dropped. Apart from the ones that said that what you had to do was find the man who you were going to marry and then everything would yeah. be okay. But the number of the number of titles of the world mm. was really massively curtailed. I love the brief section of them talking about that. Just, a, just how tired they were by it. There's a much longer book on the history of romance comics. I cannot remember what it's called, but I read it a few years back. That if mm. you're interested in it, gives both history and examples. Okay. There's a lot of big collections as well of um, uh, the Simon and Kirby romance. Mm. So, I mean, they're sort of probably best known for creating Captain America, but that was their bread and butter for 20 years. It was just mm. romance comics. And I'd like to... I think I said this after we finished watching it. Necessarily, fewer people from that era are still around, mm. and fewer of them were to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, you maybe can't do this, but I'd like to have heard more about the early days mm. and the female experience in it. I liked the um, the lady Ramona. I can't remember her surname. Who um, made up the fish? Mm. <laughs> she lived far away from water. Oh, that was fantastic! Yeah, she was drawing Aquaman mm. for a living and just inventing fish. Yeah, because, I mean, ninety yeah. percent of your audience are not going to know what they are either. Ninety percent of all fish were invented in the first place. So. That's true. Yeah, I've made up several today. Yeah, it's I, been I look, well, quite rewarding actually. Well, you have to, right? It's 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 like part of our hideous kind of obligation in in semi-socialist Britain. You just everyone has to do a couple of hours of generating yeah. fish. Well, hail the blobtopus! Yeah. It's getting quietly shuffled out in the next revamp. Really? You can't retire the Blobtopus. He's a cuddly friend with many arms and legs. I'm starting to worry that you're actually talking about a real thing now. Except for that crossover run when he went evil. That's true, he did. Yeah, but you could always tell because he had a moustache and a monocle. I thought you were over-egging it with a monocle. That wasn't one of mine. I'm not a fucking hack. All hail Blobtopus. But yeah, the early day stuff was a bit thin, and that structurally the documentary Sorry. I thought was a bit odd. You've got the early stage stuff, which had to be thin because there wasn't much. Yeah. Then a baffling digression into cosplay via the really important Red Sonia stuff. Yeah. Which, so, which gives you the introduction of, oh god, I can't remember her name. Elf Quest Lady. Wendy Peeney. Wendy yeah. Peeney. Which is super, super structurally important, but leads you in this weird cosplay thing that would have fit in better later. That's true. I think, I think it's because she was, you know, she was a cosplayer before she was a yeah. creator, is why they sort of front-loaded the cosplay stuff. She, she was kind of, I see him through the interview, she was kind of telling her story, and it mm. made narrative sense to roll with all of that up to yeah. the point yeah. where you get where you want to go. But everything else was sort of broadly chronological around the creation and cosplay sort of existed, but wasn't big until much later mm-hmm. on. Um, so it was just sort of it was I think bringing Wendy Peeney in at that point in the in the documentary before that there was sort of a, quite a lot of stuff around uh, Trina Robbins who was sort of uh, part of the underground comic scene mm. um, and is now a comics historian who is much much beloved from what I can tell she was being fawned over at TCAF last year um, by pretty much all of the, the current crop of critics. I mean, it was basically, that panel was just Heidi McDonald and Tom Spurgeon looking at her with doe eyes. It was really quite sweet. I think it's, it's kind of interesting that you made the parallel with video games and capitalism, because it seems like the way that women got back into comics, or what, at least one of the avenues, was recognition as a potential customer base. Yeah. As in, you might have money. I think, was it Heidi McDonald? Or it was somebody mm-hmm. who said, um, yeah. how did you manage to alienate you know, the oh, people who like to shop? Which is a you know, reductivist look at gender roles. And it, it's sickening that this happens because you get these fuckers asking, what's the ROI on diversity? Yeah. Um, 
we have to answer because they're in charge and we have to deal with the world on their fucking terms. But it kind of does drive change. It shouldn't happen like that, but yeah. it kind of does. And yeah. um, I think the and only... every time it does, a libertarian gains their wings. Who was that dude who kept popping up? Um, he had like whitish bald head. He was wearing a shirt. Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont. Um, I think probably the only other thing that bothered me about the film was his comment that um, one of the early women was just as good as all the other guys in the bullpen, as though men had... Oh, men Marie, had Marie Severin, who yeah. was, you know, yeah. Men had set the pinnacle and a woman could hope to be just as good as it, and that was... And if she were exceptional enough within her own gender to... I think it's it's probably... It's probably an unthinking line. I, I oh, think well, he's, yeah, no, he's no, not it's too much phrasing, but, but the unthinking line is where you get latent sexism yeah, from. Yeah. It's fascinating and demonstrative. Yeah. But Chris the, the Claremont is of the generation that... It doesn't mean it didn't point something yeah. out in yeah, what yeah. he's oh, yeah, saying. Yeah. He's of that generation of stoned college kids who turned up getting a job at Marvel and Jack Kirby was still there and they were kind of freaked out by it. Um, you know, Roy Thomas and all of the, the 60s guys were still there and they were scared mm. of being there. Well, he comes across uh, well, but... Yeah. And a lot of women talked really positively about his work, which kind of, for me, was a, a balancer to his mm. to how he framed that particular... But I didn't like the thing where... He did come across well. I'm not having any work Chris Claremont, but there was a slight note of... What did you say? I read his comics in the 2000s. Please feel free to have a go at Chris Claremont. The, the, the sort of the thing he says where oh well maybe she was as good as as, as all so mm. as all of the men and then he kind of he sort of corrects himself to as all of the men put together and this sort of slightly mm. self-effacing apology for unwitting sexism thing that's totally doesn't quite ring true and it there would have been better to let it hang and there were, there were a few things that he, he sort of says where I, I, I'm willing to write it off as unwitting or internalised but kind of. Yeah, there were just a few little slips like that, and a few bits and pieces. Oh, yeah, fair enough, it's kind of he's of his ear, and he, he he has, by all accounts, done a lot to help. And yes, and you do not have to be perfect in order to do good. No, no. And that's a huge problem that pretty much all social change and justice movements have. There was an interesting thing um, a couple of years ago. I say interesting, fucking horrible. Um, when Brian Wood basically turned out to be a sleazy pickup artist. <laughs> And Brian, Brian Wood has done a lot of stuff to represent women in comics. Mm-hmm. He works with female artists a lot. He's got an all-female X-Men comic. He does a lot in terms of representation. But he's also an arsehole. Yeah. <coughs> Rat queens. There's also that. It's, it's, it's a thing I think that a lot of people struggle with, the cognitive dissonance of person did good but person did bad. And yeah. is person good or bad overall for the thing that I believe in? Yes. Yeah. Um, There's no fun answers there. No. One of the things I was really glad to see in, in it was that it didn't just sort of focus on artists and writers or the fans. It went mm. into the um, the sort of the business and the editors as well. I loved seeing the editorials. I, yeah. Basically, I, for the first twenty minutes, I sort of sat there going, "Why haven't they mentioned Karen Berger yet? Why have they not? Why haven't they mentioned Karen Berger yet?" Um, because she's responsible for so much mm. at Vertigo, and then obviously I she was quite prominent. Quite how much she did? No, same. She basically like the. The late eighties, you know, the British the British invasion of mm. American mainstream comics, that was her. Twice a year she would book out a meeting room in a London hotel. She'd meet everyone from UK Marvel and two thousand AD and she would poach them. 
So the fact that DC basically got all of the good mm. British uh, British talent was entirely down to her going, why the fuck is no one reading this stuff? Oh God, I'm does that mean she, twice a year, she had to listen to Alan Moore explain himself? No, I think she just hired him straight away. Actually, no. Uh, he he'd already been hired by Len Wein to take over Swamp Thing, so he was already there. But I did enjoy the um, slideshow photos with her and every sort of major every creator of the nineties. Yeah. Um, here she is hugging Neil Gaiman. Here she is whilst Alan Moore speaks. Here she is. Just it's it's, and it's it was in such a kind of cool, empowered. She wasn't in the background. She was pulling the strings, kind of thing. So yeah. you look at those photos and you think she's standing there. She's doing what? She's doing press or something, but. Actually, no. She was being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She got kind of shafted by DC in the end, which was slightly annoying, but then everyone got shafted by DC when uh, the new 52 stuff came in. Yeah. Including DC? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Well, speaking of, I really enjoyed hearing from Gail Simone. Yeah. She, um, I mean, everyone on there spoke well. Mm. Like they, They'd chosen people who were fucking fluent. Hells of eloquence. Um, and... Yeah, Gail Simone and Kelly Cedarconic. Oh my god. It's just my fucking favourite. Um, I just want to hang out with her. Like, we don't have to talk about anything in particular. Just yeah. just, 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 hang out for a bit. Really, she had a really cool office. I really like Kelly Cedarconic. Mm. We had a pretty deadly special podcast. We, we did. did. It's a good book. It is. That also makes us, you know, incredibly progressive people. Mm. I think. If you would like to become let's a friend. Let's not over Let's still, not over We're still no. super white and super middle class. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You're like two-thirds dudes. Yeah. Mm. I think with three people, that's not statistically significant. <laughs> it's a B plus. You say that, but, you know, society yeah. and stuff, we could be doing better. We could be doing better, but then we I We could have... dress Roger Raffle pretty like the old days. I have enough trouble keeping you... <laughs> I my... struggle with this, though, because, like... I, I used to do drag, and now I'm really struggling with precisely how problematic that was. I've seen much more problematic drag be done in this very building than you have done oh, sure. in your life. But but yes, the fact that it was not the most problematic does not mean it was not problematic at all. There's a strain of... there's a, The very superficial and actually very commercialised misogyny is, is one of the elephants in, in, in the gay bar. And drag is and is not part of it, and has a very complicated relationship with the mainstream gay male I- I interaction with femininity. It's just I was reading a lot recently about um, the way the lesbian community was interacted with during the height of the AIDS crisis in New mm. York, and they were doing a lot of the mopping up of horribly infected fluids, and they were getting a lot of shit for not being. Dying men, essentially. Yeah. And that sounded really unpleasant. The bad history of the gay rights movement is... I'm just going to be horribly unpleasant for a minute. A bunch of entitled, fussy old queens throwing everyone else under the bus for political capital. Which is why it's fucking amazing that... Um, did you see Stonewall's trans consultation this I week? did, yes. It's really... Did you, read the, did you read the document? I didn't read it's the document. It's really good. I mean, I'm not an expert on trans issues, but in, insofar as I know a little bit and I'm semi-critical of Stonewall, I, I think they've, they've pulled a good one and they've done a lot to make amends. I mean, the fact even that they're being Stonewall out there saying, yes, actually, we do give a shit about this, yeah. that's huge. It's getting better, but you look at the 70s and the 80s and 
Well, I mean, I was looking at some of the women's lip stuff and the mm. amount they, they wanted to toss out the lesbians because they thought having the lesbians involved meant that it was getting pigeonholed as just a bunch of mad lesbians who could yeah. be ignored. And then you've got the political lesbian movement that has, menace stuff. has hor- horrible beef with feminism. And, yeah. Yeah. and that goes to the, the turf stuff and, oh God, it's so tiring. And it must be worse if you're actually in it. It's just, mm. it's just awful people being awful to each other. Everybody fucking over everybody else. I'm a straight white male. It's pretty easy, I've got to be honest. It's you do easy. complain a lot, though, so it can't be that easy. Uh, yeah, well, you know... But that's bad. because I keep attracting mouse traps to his winky. Yeah, no, I do I do complain a lot, but that's because everyone else is letting me down. Mm, you know, of all of the people who aren't straight white males are just not trying hard enough. Yeah, The straight white males are pretty bad as well. No, I haven't noticed that. No, they're pretty good guys. No, I haven't but noticed that. Everybody they're basically else. a bunch of good old boys. On this marvellous level playing field we've built for everyone, <laughs> why are you just crawling around in the mud? You should be achieving things. I'm making a Welcome podcast. to society. That took a turn. Yeah, that took a really political turn. It's, a, I, it's, a, it's a political movie. It's not really about that. I don't know where that came from, but... Another thing I really enjoyed about the movie was that it brought in not just um, editors, people behind the scenes, creators, people involved in the history, but also the retailers and the kind of notion of the retail space as a place where women may or may not be encouraged to go, the kind of the progression of that, that trend, that was really nice. I think this is kind of hugely important and I've got a massive hours long rant available about this for anyone who wants to listen. The payment is beer and sanity. But... Comics retail is fucking batshit at the best of times. You have to know, like, you have to basically read previews to know when shit's coming out. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of hard to pre-order from anywhere bigger than your tiny comics the business model is The business models are fucked. The channels are fucked. Yeah. And even if it was all functional, the people running the fucking comic stores regard themselves as the keepers yeah. of the magic treehouse. It's the, very rare to find non-asshole asshole comic stores. You must be this greasy to enter. Yeah. The way the business model works is a massive barrier to entry before you even get to the shop. Like, it's just, it's incomprehensible from the outside. At risk of sounding like a, like, full-on Silicon Valley merit-a-crapitalist, prime for disruption. Congratulations, you did sound exactly like that. Um, it needs to be fixed. It's but like Uber for comics. Fucking impressive that the comics industry exists at all when it is in that bad a state. I mean, I pick up stuff entirely based on recommendations from you guys and occasionally stumbling upon something of my own. And that's, you know, I've tried in the past to... You guys have given me the first issue of a run of singles and I've thought about getting more of them and then I just realised I don't know how to do it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't how do, you, do How do you it. find those? Because I, I struggle... Amazon and digital don't make it go away because one of the most important parts of bricks and mortar retail is serendipitous discovery. Mm. Yeah. Plus uh, mentoring to an extent. So one of the reasons that I like... Oh, like the Yowie kid. Yeah. That was more grooming. Retailers. Did you have a point about retailers? I had a point about retailers, which is that the singles market is incomprehensible. It's impossible to know when something's coming out. And a lot of the time, retailers, particularly in the UK, are incredibly loath to actually reserve things for you. Mm. So you have to, you are sort of bound to go in every Wednesday to find new releases, which just doesn't fucking work. It's a piece Um, of mad protection. Again, sounding like a libtard, it's a piece of mad protectionism. 
the the advantages the incumbents have that they can then confer to retailers to keep them open. Information control. But it's not... It doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve the purpose of the publishers, the authors, the retailers. It they does if you've got a fixed market size that you can depend on, which is no longer true. Yeah, but they're all essentially leaving leaving money on the table. Yeah, but this is this is this is we've talked about this before. We talked about comics business models. It's pure innovators dilemma stuff. Um, you do the thing that looks most obvious to do to service your core market and your core competencies, and you are predisposed to see everything else as stupid. It's completely understandable why they do it. They just need to fucking stop. But it's really hard to stop because the incentives draw you away from stopping. You keep saying you don't have a product. I don't. Mm. Not one that's not insanely high risk. The mm. economics here are well messed up. Yeah, of course. So you, I, Also, who wants to do it with physical stock? Well, yeah, moving physical product around is a nightmare. But think about how hard it would have been to bring Spotify to market. It's the same thing. Mm. It's, it's distributing, uh, sorry, disrupting a, heavily, uh, a marketplace with heavily entrenched incumbents mm. with complex legal structures and IP wrangling. Yeah, it's a calcified fucker. Yeah. The, you could do Spotify for digital comics. Yeah. But even then... Spotify or the other similar things do a fairly bumpy job of serendipitous discovery through a load of bullshit algorithms. I think my... And that's just filter bubbles. My music discovery has been so much worse since I use Spotify. I just listen to the stuff that I already have on a playlist because I already like it. Or you get recommended similar stuff, filter bubbles. It's... I get recommended stuff usually that I already know but haven't listened to on Spotify because it's close enough to... Yeah, anyway. So you could do it. You could do it. You could totally do it provided you get it from the site. You'd have exactly the same business challenges as the digital media providers... Um, yes, it would be there would be a liberalised entry point, but you still don't scratch the same edge. The, if if bricks and mortar retail ever goes away, it'll be a fucking tragedy because it serves a genuine and meaningful purpose. Which was the um, store that had all the fancy stuff inside it? They came in towards the end. There were two ladies. One of them. Oh, uh, some brave new world comics in LA. They were yeah. super juiced as well. They were really enthusiastic. They were. Seems like good people. Yeah. I wanted to go there. So, in in summary, it's a good film. Mm-hmm. It made me feel... It made me feel... <coughs> made me feel coughing noises. Coughing noises. Um, no, it made me feel... I don't know if you've noticed, but my throat's a little bit fucked. I could have stood for it to be preachier. It's maybe more accessible given that it isn't, but... I was talking about my feelings. Sorry. That's okay. I was not saying anything meaningful, just that it made me feel good. Um, it, it was a genuine warm and fuzzy thing. It was not in a patronising sense at all. It didn't no. make me feel, yay yeah, girl power. It made me feel, fucking hell, a lot of people worked really hard to make things significantly less shit for women in this industry. And yes, it's got a long way to go, but we seem to be on a good trajectory. I think I was surprised at how uplifting it was, particularly given how wearying sort of being in the innards of or not in the innards, but you know following the industry can be quite tiring um it's surprising yeah the only one thing it does is it has the uh slightly increasing tempo this is the end of the documentary music mm. that's meant to, meant to be yeah. uplifting um it works but, you know it didn't it didn't it works uh, on me it does work it does work but you know it's, it's super feel-good. It's, um, it's, I don't want to say educational, but I'm struggling for a better word. It's better, it's well-researched. What it isn't is argued. Now, documentaries don't have to be. But I would have quite liked something a bit more argued. I do 
I'd, I'd have actually had quite a lot of patience for something a bit more proselytizing, not necessarily angrier, but something a bit rhetorically stronger. I think we're already on side, and it's yeah. harder to get listened to. Yeah, true. It's it's an entry point. It's a good entry point. If you know nothing about this, this is a good one oh one. Yeah. I mean there were a lot of people in there who I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Ironically more from the modern people mm-hmm. than the sort of historical, but then there are so few historical people to know of that it's quite easy if you're a comics history nerd. Mm. It's incredibly warm as well. That's mm. I it, it it's just a good thing. Mm. Yeah. I was really glad. I felt you know, I didn't know a lot about it when I said we should watch it. It was kind of taking a chance. It was also, you know, I want us to do some women's issues. And it worked out well. Yeah, it's a good film. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. There's the trailer in there. Give them your money. Yeah. I don't think it's very much money, is it? No. It's $10. That's not really That's much. There's hardly any money. Great. If you're listening By to this, you're middle class. So, you know, just, just buy that. You spent that on booze yesterday. Probably. Yeah, you did. I totally did. You fucking drunks. No, I spent almost exactly that on the wine yesterday. Are you wine shaming us? You... No, no. Well, $10, you convert that to UK, that's what, like six, seven pounds. Mm. That's, yeah. that's not much on wine. I actually bought you quite cheap wine. And on that bombshell. Let's go and have a pizza. Let's go and have a pizza. I think I'm going to have the goat's cheese one. Well... The people know. They've been hanging on to this last minute to find out which pizza. Now they know. Now you know. It's going to be so goaty. Good night. Anus. through the night. <laughs>